the waking world is only one reality. In light slumber, he descended the seventy steps to the cavern of flame and talked of this design to the bearded priest, Nasht and Kamantha. And the priests shook their fesson-bearing heads and vowed it would be the death of his soul. H.P. Lovecraft, The Dream Quest of the Unknown Kadath. Hey guys, and this is a first look through of all the player cards for the Dream Eaters. Uh, the book is very, very thick. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, this is probably their biggest one yet. Um, only because, and I haven't read too much into it yet, uh, it splits into two smaller campaigns, or you can play just one full campaign. Uh, but I'm not here for that at the moment. I am here to look at all the new player cards. And there is a handful, and there is some new terminology. And I'll go through it. Um, as it goes around. So I've just picked out one random stack and we're just going to go right now. Uh, uh for man, if I can pronounce this correctly, Fortituous Discovery. If I butchered it, I apologize. But it is an X cost event. It's Fortune Insight. It's a myriad. Now, a myriad is an investigator may include up to three copies of a player card with that keyword in their deck by title instead of the normal limit of two copies. Additionally, when you purchase uh, a myriad card from your deck, you may purchase two additional copies at no experience cost. I would think this would be a cheaper player card um, that'll get you three instead of the two. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that how it plays out. That's just my first inkling. I, these are probably a little more watered down than the uh, playset you would get for other two-player cards, uh, playset cards. So, uh, X is the number of other copies of uh, the discovery in your discard pile. And then it's an investigate. You get plus X knowledge for this investigation. If you succeed, discover X additional clues in your location. Okay, so if you have two of the discoveries in your discard pile, um, it would be two, and you get plus X, so you investigate, and you get plus two with your book. So, if you're making a shroud two with the two, no, that's what would go with, um, whatever your skill level is. So, um, let's say if your investigate is a four, this will give you plus two to your four, so you'll be sitting at a six. And on top of that, too, if these are sitting in your discard pile, you'll be able to gain two additional clues if you succeed. So, one, eh, not, so, not, not as good, but, you know, when you get to throw another one down in your pile, absolutely. It can, it can get pretty, pretty good. Um, I think it's just an outlet for, for just uh, the survivor class to, to get something, you know, other than spending for flashlights. Uh, the next one, and this was spoiled. Um, these were all the cats for the Dreamland. So you have Miss Doyle. Uh, Miss Doyle's a 2-2 ally. Uh, if you pitch her, she gives you a wild pip. Uh, 1 XP uh, to put in your deck and 3 to put her out. And limit 1 per deck. So you only got 1 uh, forced. After Miss Doyle enters into play, search your bonded cards for hope, zeal, and uh, agur. And bonded means... Uh, the other cards, they are out of play for the moment. And once you play that card, they will go into play. And then you would have to do whatever the results of that card or whatever it states in that card that you should do. 
So after Mr. Wetlands are in play, you can search your binding cards for Hope, Zeal, and Agur. Randomly choose one of them and put them into play directly, and then shuffle the other two in your deck. And when she leaves play, find each of those assets, even if they're out of play, and remove them from the game. So, um, Agur, uh, she's bonded. Obviously, it was with Miss Doyle. Fast. Uh, forced. After Agur enters into play, discard Hope and Zeal. As an action, if Agur is ready, exhaust her or discard her, and you get to investigate. And your investigate is uh, at a base knowledge value of 5. Um, if you get to, if you discard Agor this way, it, the test is automatically successful, and then you can shuffle it back into the deck. Uh, shuffle into your deck to put hope or zeal into play from your discard pile. So if these guys hit the discard pile, then you can see these cats bouncing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. My only criticism on these cards is when it comes into play, and if you need, like, the fighting one, which is Zeal, which I'll talk to you in a second, you're, you're, you have to put it out randomly, so it's it's a roll of the dice. So, all right, Agora is actually one for the knowledge. Zeal is the same thing, uh, except um, the fighting aspect is at five. Uh, again, if you discard Zeal, uh, the test is automatically successful. Uh, then Hope... Well, Zeal, let's see, well, Agor has the skill pips of one fighting and one evade. Uh, cost one to put it out. Uh, Zeal, if he actually hadn't hit, all these cats are ones, with the exception of Doyle, it's three. Um, but for Zeal, uh, one knowledge and one evade. And then Hope is one knowledge and one fight. And for her, it, it's the evade, so evade base value five. And then you can automatically discard her and then shuffle any other cats back into your deck. Or not in your deck, um, put into play from the discard pile. So um, I don't know how I feel about them. Uh, I think the jury's out on this. I'll, I'll have to play around with it. I wouldn't necess necessarily say it would belong with uh, the violinist right off the rip. But the, the other one is the fortuitous discovery. Hey, I got that word right. Um, yes, I would say yes for sure because she has a fat 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 you know deck and you're going to be cycling and running through cards and stuff like that uh next round i'm going to go through mystics uh first one is open gate and there's three of them because it's a myriad and it's fast uh spell and it's a one cost event uh if you want to pitch them for the skill attributes it is willpower and evade uh attached to your location uh play only on your turn group limit three in play Investigators may move between any two locations with the attached open gate if the locations were connected. So, yeah, it, it's like your very own wormhole. So if you have to like go to the other side, you can play this and have those two connected. So, yeah, uh, I I wouldn't well. I wouldn't say necessarily say it's a bad card, but I think it's gonna this card will shine for any of those bigger sprawling uh, uh, scenarios, especially like uh, the blob that ate everything is a big one uh, where you have lots and lots of locations. The both of the Egypt um, expedition ones that they came out most definitely, uh, but if you're on a linear approach or anything like that probably not or of any of those scenarios that you have to open up uh to actually get to it might not be the best I, again that's why they gave you three um next one 
is Stargazing, Insight Augury. It's a zero-cost event, and if you want it, it will cost you one XP. Uh, you can pitch it for a wild uh, skill pip. Uh, max twice per game. Play only if there are ten or more cards in the encounter deck. Search your bonded cards for one copy of the Stars of Right and shuffle it into the top ten cards in the encounter deck. All right. So it's all well and good, and I kind of like dig it because the stars are right, because it, it is a player card, but it's got the encounter card back. So the stars are right, no cost for this. Um, remove the stars are right from the game, choose an investigator. That investigator draws one card, gains one resource, and takes an immediate action as if it were their turn. And it does not count towards the number of actions that investigator can take each turn. Which, which does make sense, because uh, if you're doing this during the encounter phase... Uh, which like 90% of the time you're, you're doing this unless you're you're doing a weakness or it's a location card where you have to explore. Um, yeah, I like this. I like this card a lot because really you ha- you didn't have a card that can directly manipulate uh, the encounter deck. And this hits it home big time. Usually the best time you get, you get anything from the encounter deck, if nothing happens, man, you get all warm and fuzzy feeling. Uh, but this is even better. I mean, this this is just awesome. I mean, not only alleviate an investigator from actually drawing one of those horrible, horrible treachery cards, uh, but you get one of everything, and you get a ticket at a turn immediately and resolve something. And that could be a free combat. That can be a, a free investigate. That can be anything. So, uh Yes, I absolutely love this card. This card is amazing. I mean, and really, how often are you going to have less than 10 cards in the encounter deck? It hasn't happened very often. So, uh, that is it for Mystics. We will go next to Rogue. Rogue has Easy Mark. Uh, This is a 1 XP card. It's Myriad. So, 1 XP will give you 3 of these. Um, If you want to pitch it for skills... Uh, one knowledge, one evade for each of them. Uh, this is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty simple. Play it, gain two resources, draw a card. And as a react, after you play Easy Mark, you can play another Easy Mark from your hand at no cost. So, quick way to get cash and cards. So, it's always about the, draw- the drawing of the cards. If you can manipulate it and, and change it, absolutely. I don't think it's a requirement for every rogue deck, but um, it's cheap. Um, I would definitely play this uh, over Emergency Quiche any day. So if I started with Emergency Quiche, uh, I would throw this in here and upgrade it as soon as possible. But that's just me. Next one is Crystallizer of Dreams. It is a one-cost asset. Um, you can pitch it for a willpower. It's an item. It's a relic. Uh, it is. Uh, this is a... Uh, it's just a flat-out item, so it'll take an item slot. As an additional cost to put this card into play, you must search your bonded cards for one copy of the Guardian of the Crystallizer and shuffle into your deck. As a react, you, after you play any event, attach it face down to the Crystallizer Dreams instead of discarding it to a maximum of five attached events. Attached events may be committed to skill tests as if they were a hand. So, I was going back and forth with this. I read it with somebody here. And all this really is, is after you play events... Uh, you get to use it, it has like a watered-down effect to it, where you can actually use those cards again to commit them to skill tests. And that's it. That's all it does. <coughs> Excuse me. But that's all That's all it really does. So, for immediately, the, what's her name, the painter, 
that would immediately shine for her because 80% of her deck is going to be events anyways. And that is... She escapes the name for me. Um, uh, Safina. Yeah, definitely for Safina. I mean, this, this card would scream to be an include for Safina. However, the Guardian of the Crystallizer is going to be the drawback for this. So it is a weakness. It is a monster. Three fighting, three evade, three wounds. And if it hits you, it does one damage and one mental. It preys on the Investigator with the Crystallizer Dreams only. It is a hunter. Guardian of the Crystallizer enters play exhausted. Well, that's a good thing. If there is no Crystallizer Dreams in play, set the Guardian Crystallizer aside out of play. Yeah, so you would actually shuffle this bad boy in your deck, and it is another weakness for you to deal with. So, and on top of that, too, it's a three-wounder. That's that's the other problem, too. So I'm not 100% sold on this guy, uh, only because I hate drawing enemies, and especially an enemy that you can't take care of in one shot, uh, even with weapons or anything like that, because the best you can do is two, unless you get really some of the high you know, spell cost or, or you know, Relic items that can deal that much damage. If it, that's a lot for me asking, so I'm not 100% on board with that card. All right, next one. I'll do the Guardians. <coughs> Guardians has the Hunger Blade. It is a unique weapon, one-handed. It's an item. It's a weapon. It's a melee. It's relic. It's cursed. It's got a lot of bold text on this thing. So three cost asset, one XP to put it in your deck. Um, if you want to pitch it for the skill, uh, the skill uh, pips, it is the fighting. Limit one per deck. As an additional cost to put this card into play, you must search the binding cards for three copies of Bloodlust and shuffle them in your deck. We'll get to that in a second. As an action, you can fight. You get one fighting for this attack for each attack uh, attached copy of Bloodlust. This attack deals one damage. If this attack defeats an enemy, place a resource on this car card from the token bank as an offering. Alright, so right now the Hungering Blade doesn't do a whole heck of a lot. Um, it wouldn't even give you the plus one fighting. I mean, it would just give you the plus one damage. Uh, but let's see what the uh, Bloodlust is. And the Bloodlust is weaknesses. So you got to shuffle these guys in your deck. It is bonded to the Hungering Blade. It is madness. Looking at this picture... It looks like Ash Williams from, you know, Evil Dead. Instead of the sword, he's just missing a chainsaw. <laughs> Revelation. Remove two offerings from the Hungering Blade attached to Bloodlust to it. If you cannot, take one whore and shuffle Bloodlust back into your deck. And while attacking with the Hungering Blade, shuffle Bloodlust into your deck. You deal plus one damage for this attack. Limit. Uh, max once per attack you don't have to do that it just sits on the side the big critical piece though if you don't have two offerings on the blade it's gonna pop you for a horror and then you have to shuffle this thing back in the deck but if you get it if you get it out then that's where you're going to get the plus one uh for the bloodlust and on top of that too if you need to do three you know wounds you can pitch the bloodlust <coughs> assuming you gave the offerings to it um, yeah, you can do some buku damage. The, is, the only point is, all right, so the only problem I have with this is, one, 
it's not going to give you a bonus right off the rip. You're going to have to equip this to a, like a Mark uh, Harrington or something like that that can handle that. Um, and two, you're going to have three more cards that are going to shuffle in there, and they're, they're both going to be required offerings. And on top of that, too, you're going to have to make sure the Hungering Blade and its, it's Thirst for Blood is satisfied. So if you're playing any scenarios that has one of monsters, and I'm looking at the Miskatonagi Museum uh, with the Haunting Whore, you're going to be in a bad time for this one. So then you're going to be forced not to play this card. Uh, but if you have like lots of bad enemies and stuff like that, and if you're playing multiplayer and there's there's enemies all over the place and you can satiate that desire for blood cards off the chain it is but it's it's a high risk high reward that's coming up with it uh next one is solemn vow it's a zero cost asset it will give you two willpower if you pitch it it's spirited it's a myriad so you can put three of these in your deck it's fast place solemn vow under the control of another investigator at your location as a react if the owner of the Psalm Vow is at your location, exhaust Psalm Vow and move one damage or horror from a card you control to a card that investigators controls. <coughs> so, let me see if I'm reading this right. Play Psalm Vow under the control of another investigator at your location. If the owner of the Psalm Vow is at your location, exhaust Psalm Vow and then move one damage or horror from the card you control to a card that investigator controls so it, it really is it's just manipulating i think this is just a fancy way of doing like a, a smoke pipe or um what's the other one you got smoke pipe oh and painkillers that's what i think this is uh i i do like it though i mean for the skill point aspect of it, it you can throw this out for two willpower uh obviously this is not great for solo so if you all right, last up, we got the Seekers, and they got two new cards as well. Seekers, Astounding Revelation. You got like a Jewish rabbi, it looks like there, something like that. Just like astonished at what he's reading. Um, it is an event, no cost, and uh, you can pitch it for a knowledge pip. Myriad, it cannot be played, but when you search your deck and Astounding Revelation is amongst the search cards, discard it. You can either gain two resources or place one secret on an asset you control. Max one research ability per search. All right, so this card, if you have cards in there, and believe me, Seekers have cards that they can actually go through and then look and then pick out the one card that they want or something like that. This is just a way for you to gain some quick cash or uh, put a secret in an asset you control. So and that's really it in a nutshell. I mean, this is just, it doesn't do anything on its own in your hand. It's got it, you got to go through your deck um, to go through it. So it's kind of a backwards approach on how this, this card works, but. Uh, but that's all that really does. And again, that's why you, I think you're getting three. And kind of a little lukewarm on it. you got to have those investigators that, that, that thoroughly can actually dig through their deck and stuff like that for this thing to pay off. On top of that, too, I mean, you, you got to be looking, too, and, and for those seekers that, that actually have uh, items that you can play secrets on. So you might want to be looking at that to, to actually maximize on it. Other than that, it would just give you two resources. So that's it pretty quickly on that one i have no opinion on that one but uh 
we'll go to the next one. Segment of Onyx. This is a 1 XP card. It's an asset. Costs 1 to put out. Uh, for skill tests, you can pitch it, and it gives you 1 wild pip. Uh, myriad fast. As a react, if you have 3 copies of Segment of Onyx in play, set them aside, out of play, and then search your binding cards for the Pendant of the Queen and put into play. This feels like you're playing bingo. you got to get all three of these things out in order to call bingo. And once it happens, then yes, you can get it. So what happens if you get all three out? Well, you get the Pendant of the Queen of nothing at all. Um, no cost asset. Item, Relic, it isn't Trinket. So Bonded uses three charges. This card has no charges. Set it aside, out of play, and shuffle the three set-aside copies of Onyx into your deck. As a react, you can exhaust the Pendant of the Queen and spend a charge. You can choose a reveal location and select one. And select one. Move to that location. Discover one clue at that location. Or automatically evade an enemy at that location. So... Uh, Okay, so you can move to a location. That's probably where I'm going to be looking at right there. So as long as it's revealed, it, it can jump you to somewhere else. Uh, or you can get a clue. I mean, that's that's another one. Or you can evade an enemy that's stuck on you. Um, that's really uh, that's really it. Uh, I'm not wowed on this one. I mean, other than, yeah, you, you can get a clue. It's a react, so it doesn't cost you an action. And then you can move, I mean, anywhere. I mean, that that's good, too. Again, that doesn't cost you an action. So if you got somebody, if you got somebody on you or an enemy on you and you're away from everyone else that can handle that enemy, that's another good way of doing it. Uh, I can see a use for it. Uh, I think right out the get-go, I think the Seekers probably got the weakest amount of cards out of the bunch. Uh, I, to me, I... I think the strong players for me is definitely the Stargazing slash Stars are Right are awesome. I do like the Open Gate, uh, so you can connect locations and move quickly. Um, I do like Fortuitous Discovery. That's another good one uh, as well. So I would think those are the main three that I can see uh, uses right off the rip. The other ones I think are very supplemental, very supporty cards. For two, but let me not forget that there are player cards that came with this bad boy, and there's five of them. And the first one, we will go right to if I can find it, Tommy Maloon. All right, he is a guardian, that's his main class. He has eight wounds, six sanity. His stat line is 3 Willpower, 3 Knowledge, 4 Fighting, 2 Agility. Police Warden. As a react, when an asset you control is defeated, gain X resources, where X is the total amount of damage and horror on that asset. Then shuffle that asset into your deck. So, it's kind of great. Uh, where you have, like, allies and stuff like that that can take it on the chin, like guard dogs and stuff like that. So you can get cash. You can get cash quickly. And if you pull the Elder Sign, he gets a plus two, and you may move up two damage and or whore from Tommy Maldoon to an asset you control, or vice versa. So it's kind of got like that, uh, again, the painkiller slash uh, smoking pipe ability. His deck size is 30. Um, he splashes with survivor cards. So he can have everything for Guardian, 
And Survivor cards is from 0 to 2 for Survivor. Which is not too bad, actually. I don't have, like, a lot of high-casting Survivor cards. Usually when I'm running Survivor decks, yeah, I see, like, the cheaper cards always seem to be the, the, the better bet. I really don't dump too much on high-costing Survivor cards. So, I I like it. I, this might be one of the first guys I might actually play around with because I do like the bit where he can get cash because Guardians are so deprived of cash flow. I mean, it really is. So, his weakness is a rookie mistake, blunder flaw, revelation. Discard each asset you control with a damage or horn on it. If no assets are discarded by this effect, then uh, shuffle rookie mistake back in your deck. So, this is the one thing that's going to like totally negate uh, his ability and stuff like that and just put you back up a, a, a notch. I mean, not a total like wrecker, but yeah, but you're going to be basing off of his build like that, so that's where it's going to hose him up. And then we have Becky. It looks like a really big, burly, souped-up two-handed shotgun. It does take two-hand slots. It's a two-cost asset. It's a custom Marlin model, 1894. Uh, if you're going to pitch this for skills, it gives you a wild, uh, an agility, and a fighting. Uh, Tommy Maldoon deck only. He uses two ammos. Each resource gained from Tommy Maldoon's reactability may be placed on Becky as ammo instead. Yeah, if you can get Becky out real quick and uh, if your guard dog bites it, you can just slap it on Becky. Uh, as an action, you can spend an ammo, fight, get plus two fighting, and deal plus one damage for the attack. So, all in all, I like Tommy. Tommy's pretty good. Next one is Luke Robinson, and I did spoil this, so I'm not going to go too far. Go back and listen to that last one, because this is when Dream Eaters was first announced, and this was the first one. Uh, Luke Robinson's all about putting a location to play and hiding out. However, if he hides out with a, a weakness that, um, that he draws, it can really lock him in there, and he'll be useless. Not 100% sold on this guy. Um Deck size 30, Mystic card 0 to 5. He, he does get the splash of the Seeker cards from 0 to 2. So, yeah, go back and listen to that one. That was my first impression on it. It has not changed at all, even with the support cards he's got. Because right now, you're looking at him. You're going to have to find a way to buff up his Investigate really, really quickly. Because his one, his one weakness can really just wreck you because of the 6 Shroud. But uh, go back and listen to that previous podcast that I had there. Uh, Tony Morgan. Now, this was spoiled on an FFG Live event. Uh, Tony Morgan, uh, two willpower, three investigate, five fighting, which I love, and two agility. He's a bounty hunter. He's a criminal. He's a hunter. He doesn't get the hunter ability. He's just a hunter. You may take an additional action during your turn, which may only use to engage and fight an enemy with one or more bounties on it. Yeah, you're saying, well, what the heck are bounties? He's going to come into play with bounties. Yes, because it's permanent. Bounty contracts is an asset. Uh, it ha comes on there with six bounties. As a react after an enemy enters a play, move one to three bounties from that enemy to the maximum of that enemy's health. After you defeat an enemy with one or more bounties on it, move its bounties to your resource pool as resources so yeah you make the hit depending on how big the hit you want it and you get the cash so it's just a subtle way of actually getting cash in um 
how are you going to get bounties on it is you got to draw elder signs. So if you draw, if you, if you can draw elder signs or manipulate the bag to get elder signs, uh, it gives you plus two, and then you get place plus one bounty on bounty contracts. He also has in his deck two of Tony's 38 long colts. Uh, three cost asset. Uh, for skill pits, is fighting, knowledge, and a wild. Uh, uses three ammo. Takes one hand slot. After you play the long cult, you can play another long cult from your hand at no cost. So if you got both of them, he will rock out both of them. Uh, as an action, spend an ammo. Fight. You get plus one for each bounty on the attacked enemy. This attack deals one damage. If this attack defeats an enemy with one or more with bounties on it, place one bounty on bounty contracts. So, this is also another subtle way of getting more contracts on bounties. So, but this you need this gun out to do that. So you'll get a little bit of cash and you'll get the bounty contracts on it. Uh, his weakness. Uh, his weakness is Tony's quarry. Humanoid monster deep one. Four fighting, three wounds, one evade, and if he hits you, it's uh, one physical, two mental. And he'll spawn at the location farthest from Tony Morgan. He's aloof. And after Tony's quarry enters a play, place one Doom on it, and then place one resource on from the token pool as a bounty. So he does come up with a bounty. He, he is a bounty, but I don't like creatures that give you a Doom. That just is another way to accelerate the game. Blah. But his building is dirty, and his unique ability is his secondary class. He can choose either Guardian, Seeker, or Survivor. So he gets all of the rogue cards and all the neutral cards, and then up to 10 0 to level 1 events and or skills of the chosen secondary class. He does not get assets for either the Guardian, Seeker, or Survivors. So it's just the events and skills. And it's only up to 10 of them. And it's only up to level 1. So he's got a lot of restrictions on him. So he would be the second one I would probably play with right out. So I, I kind of dig Tony Morgan, too, because it, it, it definitely hits the flavor. I like it. I like him. Next one, and there, and I've listened to Mythos Busters on this one, and kind of have a bipolar reaction to the Patrice Hathaway, violinist, for willpower, to knowledge, to fighting, to um, agility, performer, curse. She is a survivor. 7-7 seven, seven on her stat line. Your maximum hand size is reduced by 3, so her hand size is always going to be 5. If you're over 5, guess what? You're going to start pitching cards. During each upkeep, instead of drawing a card, discard all non-weakness cards in your hand and draw until you have 5 cards in hand. That's where it gets pretty awesome. So instead of drawing 1, if you don't like your hand, you're like, meh. <laughs> Pitch it and draw up to 5 again. Um... She, her Elder Sign is plus one. After this test ends, you may shuffle all but one card from your discard pile into your deck. So, you think you're going to run out of cards? She's the only one that I know that can, other than the Mystic card that allows you to shuffle your discard pile back into the deck. It's the only way you're going to get cards. So, how do you build her? Well, she has a deck size of 42. I'm going to call it out. 42. It, it has to be a guard. It has, I'm surprised no one said it yet. It has to be, has to be, has to be, has to be. It has to be a uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In 42, it's the it's the life 
universe, everything. That, that's that's the meaning of life right there. I, I, I it has to be is because for it to be forty two, it it's too exact, man. And I have to call it out, man. That that's a hitchhiker's reference. I'm calling it out. Where's my towel? All right, deck building options: Survivor, obviously, Mystic zero to two. Um, and then she starts, she has the the violin, the watcher from another dimension, and another magnet weakness. So. The violin, the violin is a two cost asset. Uh, you can pitch it for a willpower, an agility, and a wild. Uh, one hand, which is kind of weird. I mean, for a violin, wouldn't you think you need two hands to play the violin? I know, I'm being anal. Um, it only goes in her deck. And as a quick action, choose and discard one card from your hand and exhaust the violin. Choose and investigate your location to either gain a resource or draw a card. Um, it's kind of subtle. I mean, it's nice. Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's, uh, you gotta discard a card from your hand, which wouldn't be a problem for her because she's always getting cards one way or another. It's okay. I mean, I, I think it, for her, it's her building, uh, deck building in general. You're gonna have to go through those cards and stuff like that that you can actually, like, cipher through, like, drawing thin and stuff like that, that'll actually benefit from that. Uh, and her weakness, and it's a doozy, it's a watcher from another dimension, by fighting, five agility, two wounds, peril, hidden hunter, secretly add this enemy to your hand. You may fight or evade the enemy while it is in your hand, as if it were your location. If you succeed, discard it from your hand. If you fail, spawn it engaged with you. When your deck runs out of cards, if this enemy in your hand, it attacks you. And boy, when it attacks you, it deals three damage Ugh. <laughs> so you may fight or evade this enemy while it's in your hand as if it were in your location if you succeed discard it from your hand if you fail that's that's just a lot <laughs> so you don't ever want this thing to come out but you know what that's doing that's going to hurt her is it just eats up a card slot. She only gets five, and it's going to be down to four. So um, right now, yeah, it's fine. But it, right now, it's just going to it's just going to hit her on the hand slot. I mean, just it's just one less card for her to have until you can actually meet one of those two things. And God bless you if you do it. So I mean, that's 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 pretty meaty, and you don't want this thing to come out. So. I'm uh, I'm kind of tapping on her, uh, but it's just my thought. Uh, the last one, it is Mandy Thompson. She's a researcher. Three willpower, five of the knowledge, one fighting, <laughs> three agility, assistant scholar. She's a seeker. Uh, react when an investigator at your location would search your deck or an encounter deck. They may search either three additional cards. Or resolve one additional target of the search. Uh, limit once per round. And the effect for her is if she draws an Elder Science plus zero, then you search the top three cards of your deck for a card and either draw it or commit it to this test available and then shuffle your deck. Her stat line is at the creation. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, choose 30, 40, or 50. She also has a secondary class choice, kind of like uh, uh, Tommy Muldoon. Or not Tommy, Tony Morgan. Tony Morgan. 
Deck building options. Secret cards, all of them. Uh, neutral, all of them. And then, again, it's it's literally like the same thing, like uh, uh, Tony Morgan with the secondary class. But her secondary class choice is Mystic, Rogue, and Survivor. So no assets. It has to be strictly all e- events and skills, and it can only be up to level one. Um, she's going to have the most... Uh, stuff to work around with because of her deck size. I mean, you're gonna have one of those fatty decks, and it's gonna it's gonna be kind of hard to actually go past 30 cards because that's just the way it is. Because you always want a you know thin, lean, mean deck. Um, she has for her unique cards occult evidence, it's insight research. It's a zero cost event, and you can throw it out for a wild on a skill check. Uh, shuffle occult. Uh, evidence into your deck but as a react when you search your deck and it's one of those search cards reveal it draw it and discover one clue at your location max one research ability per research so you can't like draw three of them do all three it's just one but hey it's one plus whatever you're going to get to so uh, i think it's kind of cool other than that it's going to be a dead card in your hand so you're going to have to either uh, find a way to put it back in your deck or shovel it back in your deck but it's not too bad. You get three. Um, if I was looking at it, I would probably start building at a deck of 40 because you don't want to draw these three in hand. Even then, you can mulligan it. So uh, that's what I think. But her last card, and it's her weakness, is the Shocking Discovery. It's a blunder. It's a mystery. Shuffle Shocking Discovery back into your deck. If you cannot, discard it and draw the top card of the encounter deck instead. When you search your deck, and this card is amongst the search cards, discard it. Cancel the search and all of its effects. Shuffle the search deck and draw the top card of the encounter deck. Blah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about her either. <laughs> that weakness is not good. Anything that causes you to draw the encounter deck is just bad all around. Uh... I'm kind of lukewarm on this one, too. So, you know, if I was playing this, it would probably be the Guardian and um, the Rogue right off the rip just to see what I can do, particularly at a solo level. Um, that's who I would, like, favor and play with. But you can actually see with Mandy Thompson, yeah, I would definitely throw um, you know, the Astounding Revelations in there because she would thrive upon that um, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and to an extent, too, possibly, you know, like a fortuitous discovery. If she took the, uh, if she took the uh, secondary class as a survivor, so that's another way around it. Probably would do that with uh, Tommy Muldoon as well. So, because he splashes in the survivor. But uh, those are the player cards and the investigator cards for set. I did spoil the weaknesses, so that was in my other previous episode. So you can check that out as well. Um, but, uh, so far I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to start reading the, uh, rule book and, uh, for the campaign guide for the dream years and see how this is set up. And chances are I'm probably going to sit on this for a while though. I mean, cause I like doing the whole playthroughs and just wait. Cause usually with my playgroup, that's how it happens anyways. We just sit and wait until the, the entire set's released and then we just dive right in. So... Well, that is it for Dream Eaters. Um, if you like what you hear, you can get a hold of Tim at ArkhamsKids at gmail.com. Until then, I will talk to you guys later.